Hello, and welcome to the Serving Love Podcast. My name is Meredith, and I will be your humble host. Serving Love is an exploration around some of the paths to show up and live as love and to be of service to something greater than ourselves. We will dive deep into topics such as sacred sex, God, goddess, spirituality, and an array of modalities in the world of personal growth. I feel so honored to have the privilege to share with you here. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Serving Love Podcast. Today on the show, we have a very special guest and in-person, Frank Mondozai. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah, I'm really happy to be able to do one of these in person. It's fun. It's all good to connect online, but that we're both in Santa Cruz and had this opportunity. I'm I'm feeling really blessed at this opportunity. Yeah, so sweet. I'm so glad you said yes and and been wanting to connect with you. And yeah, just so sweet. I've only done one other in-person podcast. So yeah, just super, super sweet to be in person. It's part of the joy of it for me is connecting with people and yeah and you recently you've come into my sphere through like you know facebook algorithms and like just watching just watching the energy the dog she's gonna come in and out hey baby hi mom just watching your energy in regards to how you're um presenting to the world and how you're coming out i see you uh, i see your radiance Mm -hmm. i see your beauty i see your grace Mm -hmm. i see your uh strength your clarity uh, your power starting to come through to be a, a contributor and creator of joy and beauty in your environment. So yes, when I saw this uh, this alignment come up, I'm like, yeah, we got to do this. Let's, yeah. let's have a conversation. Yeah. What are we talking about Thank today? You. I'm like, wait a second, I'm just going to take in that reflection. And I'm like, let me receive that. <laughs> Very sweet. Um, yeah. So I was so excited to have you because, you know, you were my, like one of the leads on my level one at ISTA. And yeah, it was actually so interesting. I chose that ISTA. I'm going to admit this to you, Jared. <laughs> because I, I mean, I've seen you on social media and I had followed you for some time. And there's something like I felt like a little triggered by you. And I'm sure people maybe tell you. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the teacher I want to work with. Because I had this idea from my time with One Taste that I needed to be put in my involuntary Mm-hmm. And completely, like, put completely out of control mm-hmm. in order for me to get anywhere mm-hmm. in my personal growth. But then when I showed up in your classroom, I had a completely different experience. I'm like, you are love, mm-hmm. you know, and fierce love. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you, fierce love? Yeah, I think people have this idea that love is soft and sweet and, ah, the divine and, you know, hard. And, and like, yes, that's part of it. And... Part of like, for me, what I feel as the true frequency of divine love Mm. is not all soft and sweet. Mm. It's like, wake the fuck up. Mm. And I feel that in you. And so much of what you bring, you're like, wake up. Oh my God. Like, can't you see, you know? And it's it's, heartbreaking. It's not heartbreaking to see people you care about, you love, or, you know, just individuals that are just taking on their path in the world. And you see that they're putting sticks in their own wheels or they're holding on to an archetype or a consciousness that is not serving them. And like, Mm -hmm. yes, the part of them that needs to be loved. And so for me, when I meet individuals in that space, there's there's two directions we go with. Right. First, we approach with the heart and the love and the sweetness and the recognition that this is a safe space and your expression is safe here. And actually, you have permission to be fully you, fully expressed. If you have some bad words to say at me, say it. I, I love you. I forgive you. I have compassion for them. 
But then there's also the time and place. It's like, are you really here to grow? Do you mm -hmm. really want to grow? Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. I got some medicine for you. Mm -hmm. If you want this medicine, I'm going to lovingly give it to you. But it is, it's like potentially uh, an aspect of the truth that maybe you're refusing to see. Yeah, and that's where it comes like into the feeling of like either ferocious or uh, uncomfortable. And I don't believe love is uncomfortable, but I believe sometimes truth or or um, revelation is mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Yeah. And in order to really true touch the the depths of love, and for me to properly serve you, we need to be talking the same language mm -hmm. and and and. and discussing the truth of what's playing out versus me feeding into your your wound or your trauma that says like i need to be dealt with in a certain way in order to no you need to wake up and mm -hmm. see the world from a different perspective <laughs> and that's not always the case but when you're talking about this ferocious piece yeah. that i know how we interact and and our experience, it's like, yeah, there's, these are truth pieces. And truth is not yeah. comfortable. Yeah. And I hate the truth as well. <laughs> and when it's in my face, the only thing I could do is like, yeah, I agree with that. I have to own the pieces that bring more consciousness and awareness so that I could meet every situation with, uh, with greater um, ability. Because without the consciousness or awareness, we're having habit or instinct or intuition or uh, emotion make those decisions. Whereas when we have the facts, we could make it from a more conscious and aware place mm -hmm. and then take responsibility for our, our decisions. Beautifully mm -hmm. said. Yeah. Yeah. And so then just more of my experience of yeah. like, I was fully ready to receive it. You know, my heart was open and I loved it. Like, I loved when you were like, and I was like, <laughs> but I like that, you know, but I can see how if you're not ready to take responsibility for yourself and your actions and how you show up, like people are going to have things to think about it. But I feel that usually if somebody is in a room with me for a week, yeah, this discomfort or confusion, uh, uncertainty usually happens for about like three days. Yeah. And then, but then after the three days, they start to see what's behind why I'm holding the way I'm holding. Yeah. And then they see the purity and, and the commitment yeah. to love and, and the container and mm -hmm. integrity and, um, yeah, heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I still feel that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel yeah. that from you. I feel that uh, recognition and that acknowledgement. I receive it too. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to know a little bit about your path. I don't, I don't know anything about it. I don't know how you got to this work. I know you said you were in nightlife before this sexy nightlife yeah. <laughs> and big events. Erotic and so, performance art. Okay, so maybe that's a good segue for yeah. how you got into this work. But what started you on this path? Yeah, so what started me on the path is uh, at the core, I was always curious around sexuality, probably due to some, you know, family trauma and around like breakdowns in in um relationship or people around me because like people weren't having their needs met and make, so i'm like why are people fighting over this thing called sex mm -hmm. so yeah like when you talk about trauma i just want to acknowledge that we all have trauma we all came from a place that like we're living in a trauma world a world that the system is designed to put you in trauma to break mm -hmm. you a bit from who you naturally are so that you're more easily controlled and whatnot that's a side note coming back to me. Uh, so, you know, getting through my trauma, one of the ways I got through my trauma was exploration and curiosity. So I really got into a journey of exploring 
everything about sexuality. And being raised in Montreal, part of that is like going into the red light and the mm-hmm. sea and whatnot. And so I got my start with my, you know, ex-wife back in the day, uh, you know, going to like um, fetish parties because that was the only thing available for an expression of sexuality mm-hmm. in any, not even in a healthy way, you know, like right. we're complaining about how the scene looks today when really I think people don't recognize that like 30 years ago in, in order to explore any sensual sexual experience, you had to go into a seedy underworld bar yeah. where you would have to fuel yourself with um, alcohol or drugs. possibly drugs in order to put you in a space that makes you open to different experience. And like for me, one of the things that I learned in the fetish scene was actually in the authentic fetish scene, there was no drugs, there mm-hmm. was no alcohol, you have to be clear and clean yeah. and, and really be able to feel every sensation and not have loud music playing and, and so that you could hear the communication. Anyway, I digress again. But coming back is I, I started into fetish uh, parties. I explored the underworld of, uh, you know, uh, sexuality of, uh, of uh, Montreal. And then uh, eventually, um, swinger clubs got legalized in Montreal. And what I decided to do was offer Montreal one of the highest and most creative uh, spaces. So your events were... Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they were... Um, and they were uh, and they were designed for women to feel safe mm-hmm. and sexy to be in an environment where they could dress up wild, they could explore some fantasies or whatever. It was no sex on premise ever, so it was just a, a party. And how I used to dress up the party was like with performances and animators. And by the time so it's like New Year's and Christmas meet. And you're a dress up, you're part of this dress up and you're a character in this party. So you didn't know who was performers, who were participants. And it was just a beautiful experience where uh, in that time people were coming to say, Frank, your parties, Mondoze, they changed my life. Mondoze means daring people, daring world. And those are the names of my party. And people were like, your parties are changing my life. Anyway after a while of like producing these parties and then just finding like being bored with the superficial aspect of it, the, you know, the, the more like alcohol side, the business side, I was over it. And I started, I needed a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. And in that sabbatical, I uh, went into an intentional community in nature. I was with myself. I did plant medicine and I started to get some revelation started to heal from my divorce. Um, and then what I recognized is that, you know, I feel like in addition to be a creator of spaces, a curator of spaces and entertainment, which feels very shamanic in a sense, is that uh, maybe I was a healer as well. Mm-hmm. And when I got on the journey of exploring what school and where, what modality I would learn, I came across ISTA. I participated, now that's like I don't know, many years ago. Um, I participated in 2012, so that's 11 years ago. <laughs> yeah, 11 years ago. And I participated and my life changed and I saw myself, my victim consciousness specifically. There's one thing that people of my past know about me is that I was a victim uh-huh. and a martyr. Uh-huh. I was a victim and a martyr. So I know about it. Yeah. I know you. I see you. I and think you're too. <laughs> And so ISTA supported me to take full responsibility of my life, recognize, uh, access, 
um, uh, life force energy at a level that I didn't access. Or if I had access to it, maybe it was leaking out in shadow mm-hmm. or sideways or without ownership or authenticity or, or yeah. So it's the support of me to start to channel this this life force uh energy choose my freedom choose myself fall in love with myself that was the mm-hmm. biggest thing i got out of my first sister i started to fall in love from a healing place with myself not an egotistical arrogant place but a really good energy so from there um i went on my way started to study more with different teachers and after a few years i decided that actually ista is the most powerful modality in a one-week course that you could get in mm-hmm. order to clear some of the weight and the density, as well as access more um, more access to love, power, and freedom. And, you know, people are saying it's not for everybody, you know, and I get how uh, individuals who uh, have lived significant trauma uh, might not be ready for this environment. But I've also seen people that have lived significant trauma banging on the door saying, let me in. I want this. I know what it entails. I want it. And we let them in and they get major life transformation. So I don't think everything's black and white. And I think what's most important is each individual that is curious about participating in any program, whether it be ISTA, sacred sexuality, festivals, parties, is inquire, find out what is the program about? Who do you suggest? Who are who are the people that are reputable? Who do you have first account testimonials of people that you trust? Be discerning in your decisions. Don't just throw your yourself in places and then say oh this is not for me i didn't even know where i was and if that's the the move that you did can you take responsibility for the fact that you made those choices so this is the part of you know i i say i'm 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 ruthlessly compassionate because the places I'm ruthless and we need to look at the places where we are creating drama and trauma in our own life and self-abuse through our our limited beliefs or our self-talk, how we're doing that and actually how that is impeding and uh, impacting the way we are in the life and the way life hits us and maybe why we're a victim or whatnot versus uh, really recognizing that I will make mistakes and sometimes those mistakes will have negative impact either on others and if one has it on others it's our responsibility to take you know own that and atone for those mistakes and also look at ourselves where where we contributed there's many times where i feel like oh i totally got screwed in this situation i got screwed in this situation <laughs> You guys, I, I, you know, I got screwed in this situation. Somebody did something to me. But when I truly go back on the pathway of seeing how did this scenario play out, if I'm truly honest, I could find the nucleus of where I gave up my power, mm-hmm. or I chose to prioritize them instead of me, or I chose to not look at the truth in that place and play into, or I chose to be gullible, or I chose to believe something. Mm-hmm. It is my choice. And yes, something bad happened to me in the situation, and, and my outcome is I got screwed. Mm-hmm. But if I'm truly ruthlessly authentic and true to the situation, it doesn't mean that the other person didn't do something wrong that they that they should they shouldn't own themselves but if i want to be a powerful force in this world i got to recognize where i made that yeah. where i co-created that situation so that's the way i'm moving yeah and it has me think like what is it about 
being human that ha- like is so terrifying about owning that we are the ones that were at choice. And like, it was our decision. We said, yes, we paid for the program. We showed up, we signed the agreement we read everything. Like we should have read, you know, gone through. What is it about? Like, what is it in us that doesn't want to admit to that? Well, I would say two, I want want to remind remind that question, but ultimately in the scenario that you just described, a, a healthy health or safe health container will create the opportunity to lean into your edges Mm -hmm. because it is in the edges where we're uncomfortable and we get the reflection of how does this situation make me feel so I could learn about myself. But in a safe container, it is always encouraged. And the point of what our program is about is to empower individuals that in moment to moment that we have discernment and we say no where we feel it's a no. Mm -hmm. And if we choose to move into, let's say, an exercise or an engagement, if we were engaging sexually and we started to engage sexually and in for whatever moment, intuitively, instinctually, or I touched you in a way that didn't feel good, the ability to say I have the power, the right, and the permission to say no in that moment and stop. And that's where true power resides. And what my containers are about is creating scenarios, a safe place, the most ultimate safe place, safer than a club, safer than a fetish party, <laughs> safer than uh, most people's sacred sexuality events, mm-hmm. whatnot, uh, most, more safe than a festival where you have the ability to lean in and say no. And if you do say yes, you're doing it with the recognition that I want to see what comes up so that I can like learn about this. Mm-hmm. So to come back to you and answer the question of what makes it in our system as humans that makes it very difficult to what own our shit? Yeah. I would say it comes down to ego. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand that the ego's primary purpose at the core of it as primates, our ego is self-preservation, which ultimately means that me, as an anointed drop of God into this bil- uh, into this body that is primal and that bleeds and dies and su- and 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 ha- goes through a dying process, ultimately I need to preserve my well-being because if I only knew myself as God, well then I would be in the transcendent, I would starve myself, and I would die. <laughs> but it's the ego, the self-identified aspect of us, so that says I am I, a self-identified aspect of God, if you could know that, if you could be aware of that. But if not, if like, I'm just alive. And so the ego, as as somebody that is in a danger state, it's the ego that kicks in and says, self-preservation, flee, fight, whatever, but, mm-hmm. but get out of this situation. That's the ego's job, is to protect you. It's, it's life and death. But the problem, not the problem, but we find ourselves in a current uh, situation where we are probably the safest we've ever been in 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 history. Mm-hmm. And even though I say that with a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, <laughs> because we don't know what's coming up in this time. And we're, what, 2023 yeah. right now. So, like, that's another thing. But ultimately, you know, that's the conspiracy theory side of me. But the rest of you don't believe in that. So forget about it. You're totally safe. You're totally <laughs> safe right now. So, anyways, coming back to the situation is that ultimately, if we look back in history, whether it be through uh, protection against the wild, the elements, sanitation. Sanitation mm-hmm. used to kill us, yeah. okay? Hygiene. We are the safest we've ever been. And so what ends up happening is the ego goes unfettered. 
And so it says, like, I need a role. I need a role. And you're like, bro, you're safe. Chill out. Yeah. Take the bench. No, but I, I need a reason to, to feel unsafe. And so what does it do? It turns itself on to the, the society. And it looks on and says, what do I need to fit into this situation? Because isolation, being the, the loner or the castaway, or the exiled, is actually socially threatening to my life. So we need to find all our ways from the very basic and superficial old school, you know, poshy, whatever. It's like, if I don't have the Fendi bag, I don't fit into the circle. Mm -hmm. If I don't have the, what is it, the Louis Vuitton, uh, the, the Louis Vuitton uh, um, uh, pumps, I don't fit. I got that. I got that. Um, if I don't have this, I don't fit. And therefore, like actually in my place and social status and social class is threatened. And that is a threat to my life and my well-being. And so at the, at the worst case of it is like being exiled by a community. So our ego says that if I demonstrate vulnerability, or if I demonstrate that I have erred, there is a chance that you will be cast out and canceled. And therefore, I must show up in a way that, you know, overbuilds myself and demonstrates why I'm good. Mm -hmm. So we fail to uh, go into the beautiful, sacred space of recognizing where we err. For me, when I err, there's a bit of an excitement, even though, you know, because because I'm on the other side of the ego piece. So I could get my ego to uh -huh. sit down because ultimately when I erred, I get the opportunity to drop into the pureness of my vulnerability and where that error mm -hmm. came from. And I get the opportunity to share with the individual like that I've made a mistake and this mistake happened because and what I've learned is mm -hmm. and how I'm going to be better is. So it's a learning opportunity. It's acknowledgement. And this creates intimacy. Mm -hmm. So when there's breakdown, there's the opportunity for intimacy. And to me, the people I have the greatest relationships with are the people that I have ruptured with. Those people that I have ruptured with, that I have deemed worthy enough to invest my energy and my care and my, uh, yeah, my time and resources to repair with. When we repair, we have come through a, a, a hurdle, and that hurdle just creates greater connection, intimacy, and bonding. So me, personally, I don't want to be in relationship with people that I'm always perfect and everything, and we, oh, you know, we present. Yeah. I want to break down. I want to get messy. Mm -hmm. I want to repair. I want to own my pieces, yeah. and I want to be forgiven. And, and forgiveness comes with, you know, oftentimes atonement. Atonement is doing the repair. And, and making up for the mistakes we've made. And then it's up to the person to either receive that and recognize that we're all human and imperfect and we all make mistakes and find out what you need in order for this to be good. Okay. And then you either move into that space or we don't. And then we take our own ways. But so the ego, if it's a life and death experience, needs to play in because it needs to keep you alive and but if it's not a life and death experience, if you're just offended, then it's more about are you willing to put your ego on the bench so that you can vulnerably look at yourself in order to see where I'm hurt, where I'm wounded, so I could bring love to myself there or ask for help or ask for something I need in order to receive the love that I need. That's adulting. 
that's personal responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that that's you know, but it's mm-hmm. this is the way we need to um, step greater and, and give more permission. And actually, in order for us, if we really wanted our ego to chill the fuck out and then eventually like be more um, vulnerable and own our thing, we need to be more compassionate and forgiving, even as the victim. As a victim, I need to understand that, yes, I'm hurt and I need to I need reparations. Reparations are important. Reparations are needed. And if, if, if we're not getting the reparations that are needed, then it's hard to get into the true forgiveness. But we need to become a more forgiving and compassionate and loving and loving um, collective. And that's not easy to do when people are attacking each other, hating each other, trying to tear each other down. And all of this is ultimately a distraction because the bigger thing that play is that there is a class of people, I like to call them, as John Trudell would call them, a predator class of people designing to make the majority of the the 99% of us peasants fighting with each other based on low-level ideas or ideology or idolatry that keeps us separate from each Mm -hmm. other, even with gender. That you're a woman and I'm a man, and therefore we have to have this big gender divide. If I see you as a being, a being is the spirit aspect of the human. You're a human being. If I meet you from the soul level and see mm-hmm. you as a, the being of the human, then your gender, your color, your identity, your expression, your social class means nothing. We are one. We are, and where you're hurting, I'm hurting. In Lakesh Alakin, it means I am another you, you are another me. If I'm hurting you, if I'm hurting your brother, if I'm hurting your sister, I am ultimately hurting myself. There is no running away from the pain that's going to come back from that, that I'm going to, mm-hmm. that I'm going to experience from the hurt that I've created. Ultimately, that's what we're thinking about. We have more in common right now with each other than the predator class that is designed. And there's multiple people talking about it. You have Russell Brand, you have Jordan Peterson, you have, you know, all the characters that are in court or going to jail these days are the ones speaking on the truth aspects that are very difficult to swallow. And if we continue to ignore the bigger play, that's why people say, oh, Frank, you're so controversial. You're posting all kinds of crazy shit on your Facebook and whatever. I'm doing it because I care and I love you because I want you to become into the awareness. Do you think it makes me happy to wake up in the morning to look at this content and put it out there? Why do you do it so much? Because it's my mission. My mission is to support awareness. My mission is, uh, you know, my beloved today reflected to me that, Frank, at the core of everything you are is that you are a stand for freedom. And that's what it is. I am a stand for freedom. So if if there is an authority or if there is a power, whether it be internally with the organization I serve, people say I'm really rough with my voice and my tongue, that I have a sharp sword for the people on the outside world that are attacking or whatnot. What you guys don't realize is my tongue and my sword is exactly the same towards anywhere there's a lack of justice. And where there was a lack of justice internally, my tongue operated as a sword and it sliced and diced and it hurt people's feelings in order to get them into an awareness of the pain that we uh, possibly have caused. And so if you get my same tongue and thing, it's because I am standing for freedom. And what 
when 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 there is an attack on freedom or if there's an authority or if there's a value system outside that tells me or us or you or other people that you are, are not smart enough, safe enough, intelligent enough, strong enough to take care of yourself, that group, whether it be government, police, or some social justice group is actually disempowering you, taking your power away, because as a human, a divine human right, it is like, I have the choice to make mistakes. I have the choice to do good, and I have the choice to do bad. That is each and every one of our choices. So if we would bond together and see that we have more in common, and basically the hurt that you're feeling, that you're really frustrated about, is actually the hurt of the collective trauma that is playing out, that there's a crank on our freedom that's twisting and twisting and twisting. And we're seeing our financials mm -hmm. uh, be go less. We're seeing our, um, our, our ability to move go less. And this is weighing on us and it is a trauma and it's playing into things and we're looking for people to blame. And then instead of looking at the true pedophile, the true fucking uh, people that are creating the evil and the trauma in the world, we're turning to each other and we're looking for the low-hanging fruit to each attack each other. This is poor. This is poor way of being in the world and is a poor way of coming together and recognizing that our strengths and our commonalities have to come in together to hold the line against uh, the predator class. Because the truth is you her and I are the peasant class, and nobody cares about us. The people uh, pumping up uh, gender ideology, they don't care about you. They're using you as a tool, a political tool to go against so that we attack each other on idolatry and ideology while they, the magicians, play behind the fucking curtains to take away your freedom. No, but I got more freedom with the Democratic Party in power, bullshit. It's all a charade, it's all an illusion, and we're being used, and you're being used. And so right now, what I just read, I think it was Terrence McKenna in 1998 said that fifth generation warfare will not be warfare that we have seen. So we mm -hmm. had hand, you know, hand combat, mm -hmm. we've seen weapons, we've seen artillery, we've seen information and hacking and whatnot. But the fifth generation war that we're in, World War III, ultimately is a war, a battlefield for your consciousness. Mm -hmm. It is propaganda fighting for our consciousness. So be careful of the fear and the, the bullying and the intimidation and the trauma that we allow in our body and our emotion is the life force energy. The same way they learn how to take oil out of the earth and make gasoline and whatnot, that is the same way they have learned to extract the emotional energy of the human being to create energy. Don't be a tool. Sorry, that was a long one. Oh, I'm like, I want to clap. That was like a ball. That's like a ball thing. I feel good. <laughs> and that's why I got into this work. You're like, that you were like, oh, you got it all out. Yeah, thank you. There's a lot. There's a lot. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, you know, it has me think, too, just to bring it back to ISTA, because, you know, I feel I have feelings about it because I know what it's done for my life, you know, and I was saying to you before this, like, I've been working 
in the world of personal development and sacred sexuality for 12 years. And it's not until I got to ISTA where I really like talk about that personal freedom where my brain, like something clicked for me. And I did, and talk about learning about taking responsibility for yourself. Like I did feel so safe in your container and I got to explore and I got to take responsibility for where I show up in a way that I'm like, ooh, you know, like, ooh, maybe it doesn't feel so good. But now I know like it's my fucking choice. And that's, you know, it gave me so many tools. I mean, part of what you learn at ISTA is like you, you are given a toolbox to do just that. And so it is crazy to me that it is being attacked for like, it's like, but, but it's giving you the tools to do the things that you're saying that it's not. You know? all, yeah, like, ultimately, it, what, if you could leave ISTA, like being able to say no, no to an experience, yes. no to a person, no to the facilitators. If you could <laughs> say no, yeah, you know, I have people saying no to me all the time. Yeah. I honor them. Like, you know, for me, that's the, the part. If you leave is the being able to say, no, you have already made your life so much more safer mm-hmm. and you have um, stopped outsourcing, uh, needing somebody else to care for you in order to be safe. And that is a blessing that is the gift that keeps on giving. And those that hate on ISTA, they either hate because they got the power and now somehow they learned something else and they're smarter than us and yeah. they have something to teach us. And they mm-hmm. forget where their roots are when they actually woke mm-hmm. up. Number two, it's um, people that don't have never been to the program at all. Those are the biggest mouths. You guys don't even know what you're talking about. And then the third group is a group that probably has been to ISTA, but maybe a decade ago and have and like don't like the facilitator they have and have some personal relationship with them, mm-hmm. of which they have some fucking vendetta. It's personal vendetta, and that they're chalking up and they're getting like this, this, this uh, accumulation of attention and power in order to give their life meaning. And so they they become the cheerleaders and the white knights and the. As we learn in ISTA, there's Cartman's drama triangle where you have a persecutor and a persecutor is defined by somebody that has a level of righteousness of values that knows better than somebody else that or or has a control and then points to the other one and says, you're wrong, you're bad. So then we have a victim and then the victim plays out. And then we have a group of rescuers, the white knights that come to save and together with the victim, turn on to the persecutor and then use inappropriate, egregious behavior or response to make the persecutor a victim. And then this story goes on and on and on and on until people start taking personal responsibility. So those are the people that were getting attacked. And then there's a fifth group. And there's a, a group of people that were truly, um, uh, mishandled or or um, or actually not cared for in the way that they needed to mm-hmm. uh, because they had special needs yeah. uh, or just uh, or basic respect that wasn't met. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I'm not aware of all the stories, right. but I do know that they're guaranteed it's less than one percent of all uh, participants, mm-hmm. and even in that one percent. It's basically a handful of like maybe a handful of situations which was poorly managed mm-hmm. by one person or another, including the whole organization due to growing pains and our inability to deal with this because of the, the way the energy was coming towards us. And so 
there's responsibility in there. And the individuals involved in those situations need to figure out how to make reparations and atone for their mistakes. And I stand for that. And if I, at any point, hurt somebody beyond my knowledge that goes beyond offense, that I actually, you know, that it was a major impact that I don't know about, like, you know, like we could only address what we know about. So everything, the breakdowns that I've had in my containers, I've had to address. I had to sit with the person, recognize all my pieces, and and really support them to 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 you know get the lesson and be more powerful beings in the world. So actually, we have more intimacy with those those people. Those are my boys. Those are my my, my sisters. We 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 we've got each other's backs because we had the opportunity to build though that intimacy. Everybody else, the other stories, I'm not I'm not I don't know the details. But I do know that I am a stand for uh, safety. I am a stand for integrity. I am a stand for truth, authenticity, honesty, transparency. I am a stand for the individuals in ISTA that have made errors to take responsibility and go through an accountability process. I am part of that process that got different facilitators to take some time off and do a a, a pause. And, and now there's an accountability process that was built up by a beautiful, you know, group of individuals, Kamala Devi, mm-hmm. Lori Handlers, Penny, Penny. These people gave their time. It's you know how much hours of free that we're putting in order to upgrade and meet the complaints mm-hmm. and meet the good feedback and the, the good critique. There, there's work being done about this. What would be nice is a bit of compassion and love and respect for the big picture and say that thank you for doing this work respect and not like fighting with us and, and whatnot. That we're uh, that we've cha- we've upgrading on six on six pieces that we have uh, at least three facilitators on pause. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And you know, with any organization, and this is, and I've <laughs> been to many at this point <laughs> in many different modalities and programs. Yeah. I don't see that responsibility being taken other places, and you know, it does make me sad because I know how much good there is, you know, and I, I also feel a part of me that feels like, oh, hurry up and get as much as you can while you can, you know, like, cause I'm like, I am like, I'm so in love with this work mm-hmm. and what it's done for my life. And not only for me, but the ripple effect that it has on the people in my life, my family, my yes. parents, like our relationship, like every, how I date, how I relate to men, the women, like everybody in my life is impacted by this in a positive way. I love that you speak about the ripple effect because yeah. it's like that's what why we're doing this work. Mm-hmm. We're doing this work to support individuals to become their own authority, find their truth, find their their uh, their no, find, create their boundaries, yeah. find their pleasure, find their ecstasy, find their joy, be in the expression and share it. Yeah. And so this work does have ripple effect into the families and beyond and it sometimes it's rippled and it's beautiful and sometimes there's ripples and there's it's it's um tough waters and when there is ripples and tough waters it's because usually it's a statement that the environment you are in are is not really conducive to your greatest expression of Mm -hmm. self because as you one of the biggest thing is the uh, participants find themselves is as they find their true as they find their power, as they find their yes and their pleasure in life, what happens is that the people that have been in their lives for a long time 
feel into that situation, feel that person like, wow, that person is changing. Mm-hmm. Well, they're they're getting better. They're growing. Lots of good things are happening in their yeah. life. But is there something wrong with me that they got this? I I don't have this. And so then it's like a, a piece of like, what did you do there? Oh, you must have done something. Oh, that's wrong. And then it comes from that yeah. self-righteousness mm-hmm. and that persecutor place. And that says, oh, but I hear what you're saying. And I don't think that that's the right path for you to get in order for you to find your enlightenment or your uh, yes or your no. And that's wrong. And, and then we have this energy. And so this is what happens. So the ripples are both. So I'm acknowledging that there could be negative ripples. But what I'm saying is if you have those negative ripples in your life, it's because oftentimes things need to change mm-hmm. in your life. I've lost partners. And it's friends. not friends. <laughs> when you awaken in the uh, spiritual path or the embodiment path, what ends up happens is your 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 um people fall away yeah. because they are no more no longer in your resonance. Yeah. And so the last piece I want to say about resonance is the butterfly butterfly effect. The butterfly effect of these individuals going out into the world, finding their yes, finding their no, being able to be sexually liberated, being able to be naked with their body without being this is freedom. This is uh, um, harvested life force energy, which you can direct towards the outcome of your life that you want. If you want destruction in your life, that's what you're going to create, destruction. If you want beauty and joy and love coming from all angles, that's what you're going to create in your life. And so what I want to say is that there is the potential for harm and breakdown and lack of safety every day in our life. Everywhere. Everywhere you go. If you do a sport, if you're a skier or a snowboarder, there is a potential for harm if you ride a motorcycle there's a potential for harm if you jump out of a plane there's a potential for harm if you cross the street while being like i said when you lose presence bad shit happens you could cross the street and not be present and harm could happen you could be driving in a car with with a good heart and a good person and be putting on your makeup for that split second and create harm the potential for harm exists in every day of our life that's why our ego exists our ego exists for self-preservation and to keep us safe so to say that we need to protect against one event or another event or that you know you need to wear a mask or whatnot, whatever, to prevent from harm, you guys are deluded. It's a delusion because there is harm in every essence. If you would stop trying to protect everybody else and worry about yourself in in your safety to take care of yourself, then maybe you would take a version of self-responsibility that would lead to being uh, productive in your life versus focusing on takedown. Mm -hmm. So for me, it really is about um, this butterfly effect serving individuals and then serving their communities at a higher frequency, at a higher capacity. And yes, if there is a potential for harm, that is a risk that we have to take by being in the world. Now, individually, if you do not want to take that risk or you are, you say you are unknown to the risk, this is where adulting comes in. This is where discernment comes in. This is where research comes in. You must do your research. Read about the people. Read about the course. Read about the venue. Read about uh, everything you can read about. Read it. 
and then feel into yourself and intuit. You think that, so. This is a good story. I feel like your hand is your magic wand. <laughs> Just Thank watching you. you, I'm like, oh, does it have impact? It does. Does it have impact? Yeah, I'm like, wow. <laughs> so let me tell let me tell you something about the first ISTA I took. The first ISTA I took in 2012, and how I got to ISTA. And I'm gonna like shout out to Jenny May. Because she just came back into my life. And Jenny May just like circled back after 12 years or something like that into my life. Shout out to Jenny May. I was um, recognized. I had just come out of my intentional community. And I was feeling deeply. I was feeling a big dissatisfaction in my life. I was depressive. I was dissatisfied. I, I felt like I, I did no longer want to live in this dystopian world. And this was 2000 and whatever, 12 I didn't want to live in this dystopian world anymore, and I wanted to disappear, disappear into the forest and whatnot. And um, where am I going with this? So ultimately, what happened is I decided to explore sacred sexuality. I said I'm going to be uh, I support sacred sexuality. So when I, so when I. I went to this uh, event and I was, because I'm an event producer, mm -hmm. I was judging. I think you knew you were going to say that. I was judging that event. I was judging a fire spinning competition. Okay. In your mind. No, no. I was actually oh, on a panel. I was on a panel. I was living my life. Yes. You know, my perfect life being the judge and critic. So I was critiquing the, the capacity of people's uh, fire spinning competition. And at the end of this competition, I had this beautiful woman like beeline across the room. And, oh my God, attention, <laughs> beautiful woman. Uh, let me pay attention here. And I knew she was coming to talk to me. She comes down, she's like, hey, Frank, how are you? I'm like, how do you know me? She's like, I, I came to one of your parties. And when she said I came to one of your parties, I knew exactly what party you came to because I remembered her. She's even in one of the videos. Anyways, and she's like, I'm like, um, what are you doing these days? And she's like, I'm a Dakini. And I'm like, wait a minute, on Wednesday night, that was Saturday night, on Wednesday night, I just watched a film for the first time, and I heard that word for the first time, and, and, um, and, uh, don't, like, where did you study? And she's like, Arizona. I'm like, wait a minute, the, the, the show that I just watched, the, they were training in Arizona. Do you know Des? And she's like, yeah, I do know Des. Des was my teacher, and now I'm a Takini and blah, 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 blah. And she goes, do you know that he holds, he does a mentorship program, and he holds a program called ISTA and whatnot? I'm like, no, I didn't know. And I said, thank you for letting me know. This was before smartphones. Uh -huh. We were still like flip phones and whatever. I'm like, thank you very much. I got to go look it up. So I said goodbye and, and whatnot. I didn't take her phone number. I didn't take anything. And I went home and I researched and I found this really crappy website with this really sketchy information. And I read about it and it was scary and it was expensive because it wasn't only a week of this. It was level one. It was level two. It was the festival. And it was a long time uh, with with three uh, mentors. And so it was a significant price time. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm looking at the website and I'm like, this is scary. Mm -hmm. Actually, I have no idea what this is going in. But I put my money. And I took a chance and there were things that I thought were really amazing and there were things that I thought were really sketchy. But that's my feeling and, and my discernment mm -hmm. kept me safe in every situation. Yeah. And so my point is about a whole this story, I think Jenny, three minutes of talking <laughs> about this. My point is, is that my 
first steps into ISTA was not like, oh, this is ISTA. It's a world renowned. There's tons of testimonials. You could get the whole curriculum on Reddit and, and read all the malicious and scary things and cult like things that we're doing. You have so much fucking info. I jumped in. You're like, time. read the info. Read the info. Read the info. Good, <laughs> bad, and ugly. Make a fucking decision. But if you're going to make a decision, take ownership of it, right? Mm-hmm. So I took ownership, and my life changed. And there were things that I didn't like. And there were judgments I had about people and situations. But I'm taking care of myself. And what I decided to do is I'm going to make this work touch me. And then I was dedicated to this work because it was the most powerful work that I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. So I became, became a student of it. And I became... a uh, an organizer and I uh, shared this this work because I wanted my family my friends my communities to experience this because I wanted them to have a taste of this power as well so this is what my commitment was so I stepped into ISTA a very fearful anxious martyr victim individual and I came up as a uh, a co-creator of the universe taking responsibility for the places that I were ugly in my life in the past making amends the best I knew possible and choosing to move forward in the world and creating the best most powerful containers filled with heart commitment loyalty um, care safety and integrity this is what I set out to do and I thank you for um you know, mirroring this as my uh, as what I offer into the world and inviting me on. She invited me to her podcast. Like, I'm not looking for podcasts. I'm not looking for PR. You were like, I want to talk about this, and yeah. I want to I want to give you that that platform. Yeah. So here we are talking about very current things, very controversial things. I'm sure a lot of this video is going to be cut and spliced and used for their best interest to get across their message. But if you listen into totality, in totality of what I'm sharing is I am creating a call for personal responsibility, freedom and love. And that's what I stand for. And if that's where we're going for and there's injustice, I will have your back and I will have your my sharp sword having your back. But where you come attack the underdog, the 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 individuals, the 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 people that have the right to engage and make choice, and you're going to go against, uh, you're going to stop individuals and bully and intimidate individuals in order to protect them under the guise of protection and safety. I'm going to call bullshit a bullshit a bullshit. So have you ever seen that? <laughs> that cartoon? There's a, there's a kid. There's a kid on an Instagram video. He's in his little fucking uh, uh, you know chair in the back of the thing, and he goes. A bullshit. A bullshit. A bullshit. A bullshit. Well, yeah, I just want to speak to that. Watch, like, who knows, you know, what people have to say to me. But I just want to say, like, so many of us who come out of, you know, ISTA are like, I can fucking take care of myself. Thank you very much. Like, if I needed protection or help, I would ask. We are empowered to be able to do those things. After you come out of an instant guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's why I'm like, I don't know. I just like, don't, I'm like, what do you like? You know what I mean? Just that thought of like, well, I'm trying to be the protector and yeah. then it's, and I'm like, but like, I don't, I don't need it. I'm, so you know. my, my take on that is that when a group of people choose to be the authority in terms of what is right and yeah. wrong and what is needed to protect you, mm-hmm they immediately disempower you. 
So by disempower you, they empower themselves. So what happened, what happens is in addition to harvesting our power and our, and our popularity and our gifts and the gifts of the, the, that we're offering to the world, they come to you and they disempower you and they harvest the part of you that you give, they, you give away saying, yeah, I am an innocent, gullible, naive person that can't make decisions and I'm not discerning. So there's a very small part of that population and they want to protect those people. And in the meantime, they dis disempower a whole community. Yeah. Your whole community you've disempowered. The whole sacred sexuality, consciousness community you're disempowering this is not a service you're harvesting power from individuals that want to make mistakes uh you know and mistakes have impact big small that is what humaning is about and that's what choice is about and the minute i as an authority come to you and take away your choice because i will now manage if you're going to go into this program or not or if it's accessible or not or whatnot then actually i've just taken I've just told you that you are worthless. You do not have the intelligence, the strength, the character, or the resilience, which resilience is probably the number one most important human being uh, attribute that one person needs to have. And any individual that takes away the resilience of another by disempowering is a, um, hmm, how do I say this nicely, is an exploiting. You are exploiting everything that you point to and you attack to say that we are exploiting people and their innocence and whatever storyline. I say that you are exploiting their gullibility and their innocence to harvest power in order for you to be the protector and give yourself meaning. Find yourself, find meaning in creation. Find meaning in being a gift of generosity, of some, of creating your spaces. If you guys are all, if you all know so much better, create spaces that call in the momentum of the flow of individuals that you want to have. But is it possible that we're getting so popular and we're having so many people that that kind of bugs your ass because somehow your programs are not as successful and somehow in your eyes you have more integrity or more capability or more knowledge or more care or more heart. I call bullshit. The market speaks for itself. If, the, if ISTA is so popular, it's because it speaks for itself because the word of mouth is greater than the hate. And the hate is artificial. The hate that comes for individuals that are actually trying to serve and help, but you miss characterize and change and distort in order for you to harvest power and take these individuals power and disempower them it's a shameful act and it states more about you and the lack of credibility that you have than any of us and the ones of us that have made mistakes please bring it to our attention i want to know it because if somebody made a major mistake i will be the one to put the fire under their ass and if it's me, trust me, there's going to be enough of my tribe and my friends that are going to put the fire under my ass to own my shit. And I will own my shit, but I won't, I won't own pieces that are lies. And at the core of it, there is love and there is a commitment to upgrading. And I see a lot more of that in Ista and the, and the characters in Ista than the individuals who are leading the campaign criminal and antisocial behavior uh, at the energy and the malevolence of which you're coming in. So if you truly cared in justice, 
for justice, then you would stop attacking innocent people uh, from making uh, a living. And I'm talking about venues, I'm talking about uh, individuals that share their voice and then are attacked and hounded, intimidated and harassed. This is wrong. And if you don't get that, then I don't even know where to start with you. So my invitation is to a de-escalation so we can have a greater conversation. But understand that I am, my mission is to protect and care for the individuals in my life that are that are choosing love, that are choosing to uh, step into power, that are choosing to make conscious uh, decisions for themselves. We are here to support love and support people's growth. And uh, I think that we've learned the lesson and we're all coming with a greater uh, uh, inform, information about trauma, upgrading our skills, mm-hmm. coming with a great, a lot more clarity, a lot more sensitivity, a lot more awareness, a lot more uh, permission, a lot more uh, space to um, uh, reflect on if they want to participate or not in different experiences. So I'm, I'm calling for some reason and rationale. And those of you that do not uh, uh, recognize this reason and rationale and, and tone it down, you admit publicly that you are part of the problem, that you are actually the problem in the situation, and that you're 1%, less than 1%, that is making a lot of noise for the 99% that have going on with the butterfly effect of really serving and changing the planet. And we are for new culture. We are for new culture. And so that it's difficult when there is a new culture emerging as we're entering into this age of Aquarius to actually trust the process that actually what is happening, the destruction, the building is actually all love. It's all love. And I see you as love. I really do see you as love. And I know that in your minds, you truly believe that you're doing something right to protect people. And in that place, we have something in common. And that is our bridge. And so if you want to meet me in that bridge that we have something in common, that we want to help people and serve people and ensure that they they grow, then let's talk about that. But you telling me that you need to save this woman from us or me is a statement that you have already chosen to disempower her. So who here has more respect for the individual? The person that says that I know that you are uh, a free being with a choice and ability to make conscious decisions or the people that saying the world is unsafe and we need to protect you. Because that pretty much sounds like our government. That sounds like our World Health Organization. That sounds like COVID. That sounds like vaccines. And I call bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Thank you. And you know, actually the thing that came to mind is like just how much compassion I have for people who are that scared. And, and for sure, from that place, people that are scared and uh, and lean in, you know, there's you think people, everybody that's coming to ISTA is like, oh, this uh, I'm a fish in water. People are are, are terrified. <laughs> At a level one, level two, I did not feel like a fish in water. It's terrifying. It's ter- oh, it's so soul work, soul work is terrifying. Terrifying. And so, so the piece is, is that of course, if you're coming into my training scared or concerned that we're going to meet you in that. Yeah. We're going to meet, at least the facilitators I've worked with yeah. and the, any facilitator that you see me working with are people that I know stand for that. I don't stand 
for all people, all over, all the time for everything they did. No, I can't. I stand for me and the individuals I'm working with and the situ and, and, and will unpack every situation. But no, I don't. I I I, I don't I, I I do stand for for each and every one of us that have terror or or fear and still are brave enough courage. So what is courage? Courage is recognizing that we are afraid, but we step forward and we do the honorable or thing with integrity uh, anyway. We stand for justice anyway because it's fucking scary. And that's courage. And the individuals that come into my training and are courageous, these are the people that I am most loyal to and I actually give the most amount of care. And you could ask around about it. <laughs> I got no doubt. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for all of that. And just like the last thing that I have to say about that whole thing is just how much separation it creates. And just, yeah, it, 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 I feel a grief around that. I have grief. I feel day. a deep grief about every that. Day. And yeah, I just, I just hope that there's a way. And so let's let's end on the on the on, on some basics. Ultimately, there are two states. There is the state of love, and there's the state of fear. A lot of us are afraid to be in the state of love because the ego has to take the bench, and we have to really be vulnerable to be in the state of love. We have to. So even, even, oh, it's the most vulnerable. Loving, being loving. You know, people ask me, what does my tattoo say on my chest? And it says, the loving are the daring. Mm -hmm. Being a loving being or choosing love moment to moment is a daring act. because it, it is a, It's a radical act. It's, a, it's an act of choosing compassion. It's a radical act of um, giving space to the other. It's a radical act of choosing the self when everything says that I have to take care of other people. Mm -hmm. That's how we learn how to say no. It's a love. Love is the energy. So when you find yourself going out in the world and there are people holding a point and energy, listen carefully. Listen carefully. Is it an energy of love that, uh, that feeds a unity, togetherness, vulnerability, intimacy, rising in love, empowerment, care? Or is it fear? And the energy of fear First of all, it's a sickening energy. It gets you sick. It re-traumatizes you. But the energy of fear is the, fear, is the energy of separation, um, attack. It's the energy of, of, um, uh, of hate. It's the energy of putting down. It's the energy of, um, of, of uh, declaring the dangers that exist all around you. And then not only say that, okay, I heard there's danger. It's dangerous to ride a motorcycle. I get it. I really do get it. But I choose to take that chance and that's my choice. And so fear will put the danger in your face over and over and over and over. And it will play the note and play the note and play the note until it's repeated, 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 until it becomes a habit and a thought form. So individuals that play the strum, that play the note of fear constantly over and over are in a process of brainwashing you. It's a hypnotism. You repeat the same thing over and over and over until it becomes truth. We learned this lesson for the last three years of our 
life. And now we're seeing it in the conscious sex community by people that are exploiting the scene for their own popularity and their own well-being. And so if anybody, and, and, and yeah, so last word. Let love free. Let love free, it's baby. The only way we'll ever change anything because it sure ain't fear that's going to change us. <laughs> that's what I'm going to name this podcast, which is Let Love Free with Amen. Frank Mondoze. <laughs> and and with that. that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Serving Love Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends. You can find me on social media as Meredith Lynn. Until next time, I wish you lots of love.